okay, everybody is waiting for it and I'm going to ask for it. Give us a demo, Roy. <laughs> a demo. What would you like a demo of? Oh, put, no pressure. You put us on the spot now. Let's see. I don't know, do you have any birthday greetings? Birthday greetings. <laughs> this is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, hey, my name is Robin O, and joining me today, drumroll please, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello again. I'm trying to spice things up a little bit. Mr. Steve Barkley. I was never here. And that's it. He sounds like Droopy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was never here. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty good. Uh, go on. Yeah, I know. I I know the feeling. This mm. weather, we've had terrible weather here, and man, it's it's uh, had an impact. I know. It, it, it was beautiful today. I'm glad I got out to to uh, do a delivery today because I would have missed it. Well, it yeah. I mean, it cleared up around what ten thirty eleven. Um, some of these, it, but it was a huge windstorm here, um, which yeah, had same clouds. Yeah, so, it's crazy. You know, we talked to some of our friends in Ontario and they've had you know 20 degree weather 21 degree weather and here we are like four degrees five degrees <laughs> <laughs> they're laughing at us yeah oh, topsy-turvy well it's a La Nina year right so the, yeah the cold wet. way down south and we're gonna be chilly this winter they're yeah. saying we could get just a buttload of snow too nice uh, yeah. well you know what between uh yeah between the new restrictions here in place and the crappy weather it's just, yeah, it's been a crapo week. It's fabulous. Yep. I'm mean, not allowed to see anybody anymore. That's right. Nope. Who wants to see anybody anyways? Didn't want to see anybody anyways. That's right. That's yeah. The, that you got to have. Turn on your webcam if you want to see people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember what they all looked like. Two arms, two legs, <laughs> head. Most fine. of them anyway. One, you see them all really. <laughs> human contact <laughs> overrated a jedi needs not these things <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I, may have been, I may have been watching it too much star wars in my free time that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know how i've been spending my time in quarantine um hey so how have things been with you guys things are good you know it's Still going on with our anti-gloom Zoom rooms Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific and our virtual pub nights, and people are still coming out and enjoying those. So, yeah, things could be a lot worse. Well, yeah. okay. And if people want to get in on those, they can just go to the Canadian Assistive Technology website, canastech.com, and sign up at the bottom of the homepage, and they'll start getting notices about our anti-gloom Zoom rooms and our virtual pub night. I love it. I love it. We're not even like five minutes in and Steve's already plugging. I love Plug it. Plug in. <laughs> love it. Plug in. The marketing side of me is like, yes. Plug it in. Plug it in. Um, hey, but Ryan, you, we need to talk to you a little bit because this is, you're being far too humble. Uh, you, you've been having a pretty good week. You've been riding the wave of celebrity. <laughs> we haven't really talked about it on the show. I don't think I'd put myself at celebrity status just yet, but <laughs> I'm climbing the ladder. <laughs> no, it's all right. We'll, we'll do it for you. Excellent. Yeah, well, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Ryan had wrote a song and submitted that to a an online concert here a few weeks back, and it was a huge hit. People really loved it. He's been getting a lot of attention for it. In fact... On Monday, he got interviewed by AMI. We got interviewed by AMI. Well, okay, fine. Okay. We, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't. I try not to. I mean, really. I, okay. Well, you I had helped. you had just as much help in creating that video. I well, well, you did you did all the video, so I shouldn't say helping create the video. You did the video. Well, okay, fine. I, I am I am your George Martin, <laughs> B. Ringo. Yes. As long as you're not Pete Best. You it, know uh, yeah, no, but that was fun. So, so yeah, so Ryan, um, Ryan got interviewed by a lovely lady from AMI. Actually, we both got interviewed by her, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool being on the other end of the interview stick. Yes. So, for anybody who's interested, that interview will air on AMI Audio on November nineteenth at approximately twelve fifteen Pacific time. I am told. And you know, anybody who actually wants to go see this video that we are talking about, uh, they can go to... They can visit my YouTube channel at whitecanerecords.com. All right. Good man. Look at, look at us plugging today. <laughs> well, now I got to go visit them. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you. Why haven't you already? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know what it is. when my Whenever my friends produce art, I, I some for some reason, just avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, because, because you know why it's because it sets up that awkward thing where it's just like, if it sucks, then you're like in a hole. Yeah. Then you're like, uh, okay, well, I guess I got to pretend to like it. <laughs> it actually sucks. And then it makes it awkward or you never know what to say. Well, I'll forgive I, you though. I do, I do admit it. Uh, it started after uh, my friend started writing. That's got to be worse, but... I'll forgive you, because our friend Rick hadn't seen it either, and I saw or talked to him today, and he went and listened to it too, so you're forgiven. Uh, it's up on screen in front of me now. See, there you go. Uh, well, you know what? What the hell? If we're plugging, we might as well put it in the show notes <laughs> week as well. Why not? Why? Absolutely. Not? Hey, Ryan. Yes, Rob. Uh, what are we doing today, speaking of plugging? Today, we are speaking with award-winning Hollywood voiceover artist, Roy Samuelson. Wow. Yes. Really? Wow. He's an award-winning wow. voice artist. Yeah, what the heck's he doing coming on this show? I know. <laughs> yeah, I have to give those awards back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, it was exciting to get him. Let's see, what, what, uh, what do we got to clean up here before we launch into that? Hey, you know what? I did see Ryan. I see we got some email from people. Um, yeah, we're getting lots of feedback. Thanks, people. Oh, we're getting feedback and we're getting some suggestions. Uh, <laughs> That's right. They want me fired. <laughs> no, that uh, not the one I saw. It's the one I sent in. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, we have. And we appreciate every piece of email even if we don't necessarily read it on air. But uh, we, yeah, there were some really good ones. Um, there, one in particular from Tracy um, sent one in talking about you, Ryan, and your position on last week's discussion about this witches movie. Right. Which, actually, I do have an update, because apparently Anne Hathaway did go on Twitter and apologize. Yes, yeah, she did. Really? Yeah. 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 I think, uh, well, we won't rehash it. I think we probably are still, still stand on our opposing positions. Yep, absolutely. And I have to say, Tracy did side with you, but that's okay. But I mean, really, honestly, the, um, I don't know. I think it's, I think either way, whatever side you come down on, I think the important part about that whole discussion uh, is the fact that it's a discussion that's being discussed. Exactly. Yeah. It's bringing to light. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think there's really a, a wrong or a right necessarily, except for Ryan's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anne Hathaway said Well, she said Ryan's wrong. Well, <laughs> I got to send her an email or a tweet. I'm paraphrasing. But oh, okay. She, no, um, but you know, it also brings up an interesting, uh, another interesting article that was related to that, that I thought we could talk real briefly on. Remember a while ago, Ryan, Descriptive Video Works described a, a video game trailer for a game called Valhalla Rising? Yep. 
interestingly enough, that is the game that has come under a little bit of fire this week as well. Yes, it has. <laughs> Nobody can do right anymore. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay. Well, I want to rehash the same thing. Because honestly, like the way that I see this story, I think this this is a perfect story. Like this is, I think this is exactly what needs to be needs to happen. So, Valhalla Rising is a video game. Uh, it's part of a really popular video game series called Assassin's Creed. It's like the newest game in that series, and it's made by a developer called, or sorry, a publisher called Ubisoft. Recently, uh, it released a bunch of information about different characters that are in the video game. This this particular character, their description was horribly burned in a childhood accident. EO41 is terrified someone will see her disfigured face. Oh dear. Yes. So uh, that came under a little bit of fire from people in the disability community. Um, Again, about, you know, last week it was about limb differences. This is about facial differences. It didn't take long and Ubisoft responded. And really, honestly, I think this is exactly what, what should happen. They said, thank you so much for pointing this out. We apologize for unintentionally reinforcing ableism through this language. We will remove this language in an upcoming update. Boom. End of controversy. Yeah, so I don't, my reading into that was it wasn't necessarily the character so much, but the way that dialogue was written. Yeah, that's what I kind of, I don't think okay. they're going back to the drawing board and taking that character out right. or doing anything about it. It's just, it's it's the language right. around it. Well, we're on the same side of the board again. <laughs> oh, good. Well, but these are the things that I like. I, these yeah. are, like you have a conversation, you say, hey, you wrote this and it's a little tone deaf. And then somebody responds like, oh, wow, I didn't think of that. Okay, fine, I'll change the language. Like, there doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't have no. to, be, to be a huge fight. It's, this is exactly what we want from the community. We want the community to, to speak up when there's a problem so that writers and developers and you know, content creators learn. And I'm not a gamer, but I'm assuming I've heard the name Ubisoft. So I'm assuming they're one of the bigger developers as well. Right. So for them to respond that quickly, like they did, you know, gives them, I think, some kudos for sure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's great. I think it's it's really good that these things are coming up and that they're they're being solved. Agreed. Hi everyone, this is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies and this is a shameless plug. We've been working hard to find less expensive Braille products so we can make Braille available for more people. We can now say that we have Canada's most comprehensive lineup of inexpensive Braille solutions including the 20-cell Braille Me from InnoVision, the soon-to-be-released 40-cell Orbit Braille display from Orbit Research, as well as the world's least expensive multi-line Braille reader, the Canute from Bristol Braille. You can have a look at them all on our website at www.canastech.com. Joining us now is Roy Samuelson. Hi, uh, my name's Roy Samuelson. I'm uh, wearing a black Braille t-shirt with some beads that say fashion is for everyone, and I do audio description narration. Okay, and and you have a very and we we know this because we read your bio, but you also have a very storied career um, in voice work. So why don't we start there and just give us a, a bit of a snapshot of of what actually drew you into voice work? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Oh sure. So my background came from uh, theater, and um, I had done a you know a handful of movies and TV shows. But when I discovered voiceover, I just found the 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 purity of the performance, the the characters, and learning about intentions, and also being a part of a bunch of voiceover workouts where a bunch of voice talents would get together maybe once a week and and start to practice different kinds of reads, and it was like a gym. And uh, when I found out about audio description, maybe a little less than 10 years ago, it was just a, a, a light bulb went off. And it was so great to be able to have the excitement of applying all these things that I had learned in voiceover and put it into this, this new work that I had never heard of before. 
Well, and that's such an interesting transition too, because, and, and I know in probably intuitively, you would think that, that that's a, a natural progression to sort of, to sort of character voice work to audio description, but really audio description is sort of an evolving field right now. Um, you've been you've been involved in it for about ten years. Tell us a little bit about what that what that's like and and how it's sort of grown. Oh, it's a really exciting question to answer. So, uh, audio description, from what I understand, has been around for about thirty years. And like you said, there's been so many changes. I think in the last few years, whether it's streaming services that are opting into this work, or each of these different streaming companies, and even audio description audiences and audio description talents finding different little modes that they can kind of tap into. I immediately think about. Apple TV Plus and how they're providing multiple languages of audio description and in Dolby Atmos sound. So that's great. And then Netflix has published white papers about what audio description quality means. And they're actually listing the, the writer and the voice talent and the company that provides it. So there's a, there's a sense of accountability. And also our audiences are really starting to be engaged in the entertainment industry and saying what they want. So I think the biggest change, especially in the last year or two, has been that audio description audiences are now kind of turning into audio description snobs in the best way possible <laughs> in that it's more than just does it have it or not which is such an important question there is no reason that any content should not be accessible to blind or sighted people that our audiences need to have the experience in parity with what the sighted audiences get that's a given but what's happening now is that where the snobbery comes in is that we don't have to keep on fiddling with the volume up and down and down and up all the time. That we can have writing that really complements the story. That we can have a voice talent that when we hear her, she kind of blends into the story and she can help keep that audience fully immersed. And I think that each of these aspects that we're talking about, whether it's the, let's say, the sound engineering or the writing of the scripts of the audio description or the, the voice talents like myself and countless other sighted and blind people that are professional talents in this work are bringing a different level and in a way that I think audiences are recognizing. Yeah, and as someone who's totally blind, you can definitely t tell when time and effort have been put into a quality video described track because it doesn't take away from the regular dialogue of the movie. It's not stepping over the dialogue. It's actually enhancing the, the viewing of that performance. Yeah, and I think that that's the great template that whether I'm coaching other voice talents or even as I learn from audio description audiences and experts, that when I'm providing something and I'm, I'm doing my job, you're paying attention to the story. If I'm getting in the way of that, either by me sucking or me being, oh, boy, that voice is so great, I haven't done the job. No, oh, I, I, was, I was just looking at uh, the... Uh the uh, audio description narrator of America's uh, list of things that you've narrated. <laughs> just a, a ton of stuff there. Yeah. Uh, I, I see uh, baby driver on there, for example, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, uh, Pacific rim uprising, um, which is not, um, <laughs> if, if you, if you are, if you're working on something like this and you're doing the description for it, do when you run into plot holes and things, do you ever do you ever just find yourself going, oh, what were they thinking? <laughs> well, it's funny because as uh, when I'm in the performance, when I'm recording from script in the studio or or elsewhere, that I really am fully immersed in it, and that I have to be. I have to find the way to bring that plot hole to truth because that's what all the performances that have happened in the the movie or the tv show have done they've fully committed to it and even if the there might be some things that kind of stick out it's like what were they thinking if you hear that or if i'm even thinking what were they thinking <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna pick up on it and that's gonna get in the way of the that's gonna get in the way and so I have to make a conscious decision to say that regardless of, of what's happening on screen, I am fully committed to it and making sure that I find that, that nuance, that you can experience it to the best that that content can give you. And that's the goal. Fair enough. And do you write your own scripts? I don't. No. I'm, a, I'm just, and that's what one of the things that I'm so excited about is that there are so many talents that do the writing and the voicing. And 
that now people like me, as well as many talented, blind and sighted people, are bringing this work, this this performance of the scripts. So I I think the people that can write and voice it, I'm, I'm amazed. I think it's such a great skill to be able to to take these. You know, I, I think about a uh, you know the it's 24 frames a second for film, and a picture is worth a thousand words. So every second of film has 24,000 words that an audio description writer can choose from. And then you multiply that by however many, let's say 90 minutes of a movie, that's in the millions of word choices. And then you have to limit it even further because you can't talk over dialogue. So these audio description writers really take the time to figure out what is the essential thing that needs to be shared with our audio description writers. And they have to whittle it down and be as concise and as clear as possible. I think it's a fascinating art form in and of itself. And so I have a ton of respect for those writers. And then my, my job when I get those scripts is to bring that to life in a way that, um, that is honoring the text and that doesn't get in the way of it. So I could have the best written script in the world, but if I'm phoning it in, in other words, if I'm reading it like I don't really care and it doesn't really matter, when is this session going to be over? I have to get to my, you know, it's like <laughs> that's not going to fly. So I think it really is this collaboration that's happening. So I know that's a super long answer to do you write them, <laughs> but uh, I think it's an important distinction. No, that puts it into perspective because I never really thought about the 24 frames per second and the number of words. And we just kind of take it for granted that somebody gets a script or writes a script. They go into a studio, they record it, and it's mastered and out it goes. Yeah. Can we go off on that tangent a little bit? Sure. I just we, was we generally do. <laughs> so I was just introduced to a, a trailer, and this is uh, someone from the audio description discussion group on Facebook, which has really become this this really great uh, collaboration of lively conversations from audio description audiences and also talents. And uh, what's happening is there's different people that are asking, hey, how's this fly for you? What's this work? Does this work? Or why doesn't this show have audio description? Or how great that this show has great audio description? One of the things I heard recently was a trailer that was described. And not only, you know, obviously a trailer is like, what, uh, two or three minutes long. What they did was they introduced the trailer as is, and they did audio description for it for the, the actual runtime of the trailer. And then they did extended audio description. So they would pause the, the video, and then they'd explain a little bit more about what that what the audience was experiencing and they could really go into the detail and i love that that is something that's happening with trailers now that that extended audio description kind of like what people do when they go into the the theaters pre-pandemic and be able to come in 15 minutes early and have the sets explained and what the costumes feel like and what the characters are that that extra content can be given outside of the the limitations of time tell us a little bit about the collaboration between say your role and say the writer like do you do you ever connect with the writer or do they basically write the script you get the script and then you get to interpret it however you need to great question there's a handful of different approaches to audio description um, different companies have their own way of going forward with it um, i'll just give you one random example that the writer will have the original content and they'll go through and write the audio description script. And then that will go through another process where an editor takes that script and experiences the, the film or the TV show, and they edit it. And that can be a, a blind or a sighted person that, that does the editing of it. It doesn't matter. But it's like making sure that the, the script is bringing the best that it can. And then from there, it goes to let's say, a, uh, let's call it, for the sake of this conversation, a director. And it's not the director of the film, it's the director of the audio description. They look at the script, they look at the, the content, and they say, you know, this is, this is probably a voice that needs to be a female voice, and we want someone younger, and that would be the, the best fit for it. Or they might say that we need someone a little bit older, and that representation matters, and that a person of color would be a really great fit for this. That These are the kinds of conversations that are happening in the, the casting decision. If I'm lucky enough to be chosen for a project, they bring me in and I'll have a script in front of me. Usually, you know, I really don't have a lot of time. Sometimes it's a minute or two from the time I actually get the script to the time I start recording. It's pretty fast. There's really no time to look at what's happening. So I try to do my research ahead of time. But when I'm being recorded, there's a few people that are involved besides me. It's not just the director who's 
listening to me, but it's also the sound engineer who's making sure that the the you know the timing is right, like we had talked about earlier, making sure that I'm not stepping over dialogue. And the scripts are really good about that. They they give all sorts of information, whether it's the um, the audio cues, uh, there could be time code cues. Um, sometimes there's there's other things that can help me understand when I need to jump in. For example, the last few lines of a dialogue. These are all things that help make the performance as effortless and as clear as possible. But you know, during the actual recording, it's it's the sound engineer, it's the director, and myself that are all really collaborating with the content. And it's it almost feels like a dance. You know, it's like you know, once you learn the moves, you can start to, to make sure that it, it comes true. After I've done recording, the job isn't over. Then it goes to a sound engineer just to make sure that the levels are all correct, that you, you can hear me and also hear the content of the original track so that everything, you know, you don't have to keep fiddling with the volume, that it all kind of fits together and in a way that hopefully doesn't distract you. And then from there, it goes to quality control, where someone can listen to the final audio description and make sure that it really is bringing forth what is happening visually in a way that, that really makes sense. And I could come back and maybe pick up some lines that, that might not have worked. As far as my contribution, because the, the quality of the writing is so big, it's really rare for me to have anything that's much different from what I get in the script. And if the director notices something, then she'll say, "Oh yeah, we should, we should probably change this." You know, so it's um, one of my favorite experiences with that was uh, someone had written uh, there was a there was a character on screen that just dropped their jaw. It was looking at this beautiful vista, you know, just beautiful view, and uh, I said she was odd, and A W E D is how it was written in the script, but the audio description advisor heard. She looked odd. It's like, well, what was odd about her? It's like, well, oh, okay. So the writer said, okay, she had a look of awe. And so that little change, it still was the same concept, but the homonym <laughs> translated better. Uh, you know, so these, these sorts of things are constantly happening. And it's really those, those careful decisions that are being made behind the scenes with the writer, with the director, with the, the engineer that really make that immersive experience work. So there's, there's a lot of times when like something will look fine on paper, but then once you try to perform it, it just doesn't click? Absolutely. I think one of the earliest examples outside of audio description I had with that was with um, the voiceover workouts that at the time we would find our own copy, our own scripts to read. And it was hard to find, you know, maybe a radio or a TV commercial script. And so, you know, we'll find like a maybe a Hallmark card, or we'd go through magazines and take out a, an ad and, and read those. It was funny that these examples, whether it was the Hallmark card or the magazine, those are used for, uh, for reading, but not reading out loud, in that there could be, a let's say, a Toyota advertisement that's, that's written down in a magazine, and there could be the same Toyota advertisement that's on the radio. And even though it's somewhat similar, there'd be major differences. So that was the first time that I recognized your very question that it does make a difference from the from the page to the mic. And being able to, and again, this again, it goes really back to complimenting the, the quality writers when they recognize that and they're aware of that and they take that into consideration. It's really great. You know, so much of audio description is you know, it's it's dependent on being as descriptive as possible and to sort of evoke whatever's going on on the screen. So, for example, if it's a if it's a scene that's very spooky, you know, spooky, scary woods and the the writer has sort of tried to sort of evoke that in the word choice, does it then fall to you to sort of change your the tone that you're that you're that you're speaking in? Absolutely. And I think that has to do with the, the focus on making sure the audience has the most immersive experience. That, you know, I've, I've spent decades training to make sure that I can bring scripts to life. And when I get an audio description script, that's no different. I'm not necessarily playing an animated character or a video game guy. Um, I think about the extreme uh, examples. Let me give you like a, a 1 to 10 
sliding scale where a one is like a Siri voice or a screen reader, your voiceover on the iPhone that it's giving you information. It's conversational. It's like, uh, you know, it's just a very flat conversational read. And then the opposite extreme is, let's call this a level 10, where it's the person next to you at the, at the football game is just screaming, go, yes, he did it, he ran across. You know, it's, it's a little too much. And that wouldn't fly for audio description. So my goal is to find this, this sweet spot, which, you know, after talking to countless audio description experts and audience members, I found it's like a 3.5 to a 5. So it's, it's this, it's not less of a performance. It's actually a more balanced and a nuanced performance. It's like a high wire act to make sure that I'm still giving something, but it's not too much and it's not, not enough either. So I believe that, let's use your example with a suspense scene, that in a suspense scene, in voiceover in general, I've trained myself to use my body to, to bring out something. So if I'm reading a suspense scene, an audio description, I might lean forward a little bit and I might put one foot in front of the other and I might open my eyes a little bit bigger because there, there might be something that's coming up that I'm not sure what's going to happen yet and what happens next. And so there's, there's almost a hushed uh, experience where I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm on the ride but not getting in the way of the ride. And the same if, if somebody's having fun on screen and they're telling a joke, I'm going to give myself just like a little bit of a smirk. So you could probably hear it, but it's not too much, but it's just enough that you might hear it. So uh, if there's a touching, heartwarming scene, I'll literally put my hand on my heart. These are all things that voiceover talents have been using, and that's something that can definitely apply to audio description. Even though it's not at a level 10, it's still there. It's interesting watching or listening to your promos that you do because your voice has such a range of of qualities that fit so many different scenarios is there a particular genre of film or tv or promo that you find easier or more enjoyable to do than others oh that's a great question i really love all aspects of voiceover just because of the diversity of the experience and each of them presents its own challenge i've been on a few series where you know, I'm pretty familiar with the, the storylines and the characters, but it's still trying to find a way to bring those to life in a way that, uh, you know, how can, I, how can I improve this? Even though it seems somewhat similar, what's the thing that I can do that would be just that much more engaging? And I think every time that I go into a, to a opportunity, whether it's a film or a TV show, in audio description or outside of audio description, it's really coming from that place of curiosity of what can I bring that would bring this to life? How can I support the story that's being told? Do you have any projects that you've worked on that really stood out to you for, for whatever reason, whether it was something that, that you really enjoyed or it was something that was really challenging? Sure. Um, usually those go inside. I'll start with voiceover and then outside of, uh, outside of voiceover, some other endeavors that I'm going towards. That, uh, let's use audio description as the example. That there's a, there was a film that I was working on that was pretty much nonstop action. And within that, it was just paragraph after paragraph of audio description. There was so much happening visually. And at the same time, there were a lot of gunshots and doors slamming and cars starting and people shouting at each other that you had to hear the lines of dialogue. And so basically the, the whole script was my just paragraph after paragraph. And inside the paragraphs, there'd be parentheses with quotes of what was happening on screen that I needed to pay attention to. So it, when I think about that experience that I had, it's, I, I literally couldn't think of it during the time. I just needed to jump in and be in the flow of it. If you think about how a toddler learns how to walk, that it's, um, you know, you, <laughs> I love this example. You pick your left foot up, put all your weight on your right foot, and then bend your knee on the left, and then very slowly put your weight forward so that you lean forward, and your left heel comes down on the ground. And as soon as that happens, you can take the weight off of your right. That's not how we walk. It's, <laughs> it's, it's too much. You can't I swear to God, Roy, of... if I can't walk at the end of this episode, I'm blaming you. <laughs> I, you start thinking about it, it's not going to happen. I, we'll just all be standing around going nowhere. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's like that's how toddlers learn how to walk. They they do it and then they fall down and then they pick themselves up and they do it again. And I've really approached my voiceover career the same way that I need to get into the flow of it. And when I go back to that example of the the action adventure scene with with just non it was it was maybe a five minute scene with punching and gunshots and everything was happening. And I couldn't think about it. 
I couldn't. I just needed to do it. And I also needed to trust that the script that was written for me was there, that the engineer was going to let me know if there was something, you know, if I was too close to the mic or if I was too far away from the mic that, you know, they'd call me on that. And, you know, I've, I've done it enough that that doesn't happen. But I knew that I could trust that they would say that. And I also knew that the director would keep in mind if I missed a word or if my intentions that I was bringing to the work wasn't on track with what she needed. So... All of these elements are really a collaboration, and you hear, you end up hearing one person, and hopefully that person that you hear in the audio description narration, she's doing a great job, and she's just locked in, and it just works, and you can fully trust that you're in good hands with her. That that's that's what I need to do. I need to make sure that I'm bringing the best, and a lot of that comes through that trust. So that experience that I had doing that that scene, it was like a dance. It was this dance with the audio and the trust of the people I was collaborating with, and nothing could be more satisfying. I also note that you've you've done a fair bit of work in uh, video games as well. Is that substantially different than than doing the other types of work that you do? Uh, that's a great question. It's it's different. And there's some similarities. The, the differences are that I'm playing a character and there's, there's a different kind of uh, commitment that I can, I can go to 11 on that. If we go back to that scale of 1 to 10, I can definitely go to 11 and, and trust that the, the video game director is going to turn me down, if I, dial me down if I need to be. Uh, but again, all of these things are performances and I need to know who I'm talking to. And in audio description, it's, it's someone that I respect. That's who I'm talking to. And also bring intentions. Like, why am I saying this word? What is the point of me saying uh, she opens the door if, uh, if I say that? What, is, what, what, is, what am I trying to bring in that, in that sentence? And really dive in and, and see what, what that is. And again, because I have the script so last minute, a lot of these skills have to be built up. And I think that the audio description voice talents that do this, as well as any voice talent, whether it's video games or otherwise, it it really does make a difference for the user or the the gamer. And are you seeing this field start to explode now that we've got the Netflixes and the Hulus and here in Canada, you know, Crave and there's so many other services that are streaming Disney Plus. Do you find that there's just more and more work coming all the time? It's, uh, here's what's cool about the explosion, that it is definitely growing. And in the United States here, we have a mandate, but that only covers broadcast channels. That doesn't cover right. the Netflixes or the Apple TV Pluses or the Disney Pluses or the Hulus or the soon-to-be HBO in 2021. That These companies, and it doesn't matter why, it could be that blind organizations had some behind-the-scenes conversations and said, we need to work together. It could be that uh, people spoke up, or it could be that at least in America, the nearly 30 million blind and low vision Americans are considered a, a worthwhile uh, investment for subscribers. All of these things could be true. It doesn't matter. It's happening. So that tells me that the explosion isn't happening from a, a mandate or a requirement, which is absolutely necessary. I do not want to discount the, the necessary requirement of having more. Everything should have audio description. But what's happening now is the conversation is, <laughs> I love this, my friend Melody calls it snobbery. It's people are turning into audio description snobs Mm -hmm. in the best way possible. That they're starting to recognize more than just does it have it or not, but you know what? This doesn't work. And they're starting to give language to why it doesn't work. And why this isn't working is because I'm paying attention to the audio description and not paying attention to the movie. And that's, that's an instant litmus test tell that it's not working. And that, you know, there's, there's hundreds of reasons that that could be not happening the way it needs to in parody with sighted audiences. So one of the things that I've been really proud to work on is collaborating with interviewing people about audio description and all the nuance that goes into it. Uh, initially, it was the the voice talents, the the narrators, and then it's grown to the writers as well as the engineers and some companies and, and also advocates who have really stepped up and said, here's what we want. And every single one of those interviews is just a masterclass in audio description. And along with that, making sure that people understand that you can be in good hands. And uh, that's where Kevin's Way comes in. And that's something that I'm really excited to be working with and collaborating with a lot of people with. All right. Well, hey, well, that's a good segue. Tell us a little bit about Kevin's Way and, and what prompted you to start it. My friend Kevin, uh, he recently passed away, uh, is, um, has been a tremendous uh, gift of a friend, uh, a mentor, 
and uh, a leader in the sense that he's taught me about his experience and as a blind person and and what he goes through and uh, also his experience with audio description and what works and what what didn't and for uh, he's a relatively new friend this is maybe uh maybe a few years where we would talk a few times a week and it would just be like oh did you hear that audio description man it was just it was it it stunk it was horrible i'm like oh what happened he's like oh this happened this happened i can't believe that this and so we'd start having these conversations and then oh this audio description was so great it was perfect it just hit all the right notes oh what was that and so we would talk about these things and um Kevin and I started this audio description discussion group on Facebook, and he was the administrator, a very quiet leader that just kept that conversation lively and got the engagement with, with people to start going beyond just that, does it have it or not, to these things that we're talking about. And I started seeing some patterns that there was this Wild West mentality in audio description where so many companies were doing so many great things individually and in their own little little <laughs> neck of the woods that they, you know, in this side, they're doing that. And over here, they're doing that. And over here, they're doing this. And then each of these things would be like a 15 to 20 minute conversation that there were so many inconsistencies in audio description. And so many efforts have been made on the writing side to make writing uh, of audio description be as standardized as possible. But what about all these other elements? Is there a way that we could put all these things together in a way that really says, you as an audio description audience, right out the gate, you're going to know that you're in good hands. It's a, a good housekeeping seal of approval of sorts. And how can we make that not only as accessible as possible, but also make sure that blind people are involved, whether it's blind talents or blind engineers or blind advisors, that this work, this audio description work was created by blind people for blind people. And I'm a sighted person. I don't know what an audience needs. That's why I reach out. That's why I find out. That's why I discover. And this is yet another way that we can use that to kind of leverage, hey, this is something that is really going to make sense. How can we go forward with it? So we're talking to different organizations and different content providers, different talents, and seeing how this can all come together in a way that, that really identifies for the audience right out the gate. You're in good hands. At this time, is there a consortium of sorts that these companies and media creators can join or talk with? And just is there, are there standards, I guess, is my question when it comes to audio description? Each company has their own standards. And I think that's where a lot of that Wild West comes in. That How do you define a standard? How can you say this movie is is good or this movie is bad like those those are some really challenging conversations and i think as the conversation continues whether it's with kevin's way or otherwise i feel that kevin's way is a great way to to bring those conversations together and also include our audiences in the conversation that these things are are starting to happen and i think that to more directly answer your question one of the greatest resources, aside from that audio description discussion group, which is kind of, you know, anybody can contribute, is that uh, acb.org slash ADP, mm -hmm. the audio description project, has been a, a great resource for not only identifying all the content that has audio description. I think at last check, it was close to 4,700 individual projects. They also list the companies that provide audio description. They, they list excuse me, educational opportunities. They talk about different things that are happening in the technology side. For example, Spectrum Access, which is in the United States, is an app that uh, anybody can download without having to log in or use their, uh, their email to identify themselves. And it listens to whatever content's playing and it syncs up audio description. And that's incredible on so many counts, not only for the accessibility of our audiences, but also it gives... The um, it, they've somehow overcome these legal hurdles, this this ownership, this licensing thing that has just been an obstacle so much because of audio. You know, the audio description not necessarily traveling from what I like to call cinema to streaming. So there's a whole handful of things that that are all happening, and to bring everybody together and say what is working, what are some things that we can really nail down and say this works, and I think that's where Kevin's way is really going to come in. Is, so is there sort of an educational component to this? Because I feel like the other thing that's really keeping something like audio description from really 
gaining a lot of traction fast is that mainstream audiences really haven't clued in to all the benefits that that it can that it can provide for for somebody who's just like a casual watcher of Netflix who's sighted, you know, if they're in the kitchen and they're they're you know cooking, you know, they're cooking dinner and they want to watch Grey's Anatomy, well, you know, audio description would let them do that. I, I believe so. I think that you know, let's let's use education and awareness interchangeably for this conversation. That when it came to Let's use the the curb effect that um, on sidewalks at intersections, uh, curb cutouts had to be made for the wheelchair user. And I can't imagine the last time that anyone's not used the curb, (laughs) the curb cut to walk across the street, assuming that there's not a wheelchair user there, that uh, people that, that walk are using something that was created not for them. And as you mentioned, the closed captioning is a perfect example. There's so many people that are using their phones now for content. And, I, you know, people are, are leaving it on mute and using the, the closed captioning. I think you made a great comparison with uh, the cooking, that sighted people are discovering audio description and are using it in a way beyond what it was originally intended. There's been uh, conversations about how... Uh, Learning disabled people can use audio description to get more information. There's complex TV shows that have multiple characters, sometimes in multiple timelines, that that audio description kind of gives you that anchor to know who's who's where and what's happening. And of course, beyond cooking, it could be commuting. It could be when it comes to people who are working from home and staring at screens all day, they still want their entertainment, but at the end of the day, don't want to stare at a screen. So sighted people are definitely taking advantage. And I think that with the the podcasts that are coming out that are fictional, it's kind of coming back to the old radio days, the, uh, the radio story days. And audiobooks are, are becoming uh, just as ubiquitous. So there's a real parallel there. Last year around April was the first Audio Description Awareness Day. And I expect that this year will be uh, something that will follow on that path where people are going to start talking about it. I'm a part of the uh, the Television Academy, the, the Primetime Emmys, and at a, a few gatherings pre-pandemic, there were conversations I'd have with producers when I told them what I did that they would lean in and say, you mean my show has it? You mean I can reach more people? And it's like they didn't know. I know two or three showrunners personally that I worked on their show and they had no idea that I worked on their show. So there's a disconnect there too within the the entertainment industry and bridging that gap is going to be a huge hurdle. But each of these little steps, I um, one of my friends, Carl, talks about incrementalism, that each of these steps is leading in the right direction. And, you know, going back to your education point, it is so important that, uh, that people recognize the value of audio description beyond its intended use without negating its intended use. So do you find, given that, that things are beginning to spin up, are there more and more places that provide training? I know on the show we've talked to uh, Colleen Connor. Oh, yay. Yeah, that's, that, uh, that does the, um, the training retreats. So are there more places like that that are popping up? Or, or like where do people generally get the training these days? Oh, great question. So um, uh, American Council of the Blind has that audio description project education page, and it lists Colleen Connor and her partner Jan with AD retreats. Joel Snyder, I believe, is coming out with a virtual retreat in the early 2021. Uh, There's, uh, I believe, some handful of other training experiences. Most of those are on the writing side. Um, I've started coaching voice talents. Uh, with some classes uh, myself. I call them workshops. That's more accurate. It's, it's more coaching of workshops. And I make sure that blind uh, experts are paid to, uh, to give advice. So I'm, I'm more of a facilitator. Uh, other educational experiences I haven't really seen a lot of. And as people learn about it and start demanding it, uh, you know, I'm not going to be surprised when there's a, uh, a sound engineering course that specifically has to do with audio description. I know Chris Snyder, who's a, um, a real talented uh, voice talent as well as an engineer, has been participating in different organizations talking about his efforts as an engineer. So there's a lot of different places where people can, can learn. Um, I want to redirect to the uh, Know Your Narrator series where 
that's over 60, eventually it's going to be close to 80 different interviews with people that work in audio description. And while it's not osmosis, people can get a sense of what the different perspectives, both Colleen and Jan had some really insightful things that they bring to their retreats that they shared. And I'm sure that Colleen shared in, in your interview too, some of the things that have happened that make audio description so much better, that each of these things um, are really coalescing in a really positive way. Tony, it sounds like it's a very exciting time for this for this industry. It really is. And that that whole Wild West, it's been used in such a negative way <laughs> that there's also positive sides to it, that it is undiscovered in a lot of ways. And as more people go into it and figure out, you know, this works or this doesn't work, and, you know, that nuance, that conversation, it's not going to stop. You know, to, to go even further with that Wild West analogy, just, just wait until they find gold in them, their hills. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Because right now, I've, um, I, I will say, I'm not going to end on a negative note. We're going we're gonna to end on some positive stuff. But I, I am concerned that a lot of um, different companies are, and a company is, is a very general term. I'm not talking about distributors or channels or streaming services or even companies that provide audio description. But I am noticing that there is this race to the bottom dollar. Like, how cheap can we do this? How, where can we cut some more corners to save 50, 100 bucks? Like, could we, do we really need somebody to give some, some feedback on this? Or do we really need to take our time to, to make sure that this is done right? Can we automate something? Like, how can we get rid of extra costs? That, that, that is being interrupted. That that race to the bottom dollar, I think, is starting to be interrupted because of that Wild West. That, hey, look, there are gold. <laughs> this is an opportunity here. <laughs> you know, it's like, and as you had said earlier, as sighted people become more aware of it, like that's going to be even more leverage to make sure that everyone is going to bring their best. And I really see the interruption being, let's bring quality to be the, the race. Let's, let's see if we can bring quality and excellence here. This year, by the way, is the second year that an audio description voice talent has been nominated for the Sovas Awards, which is a, a voiceover-specific awards ceremony. And second year in a row, that, that tells me that there's something there. And that's only for voiceover people to recognize. So, you know, th there's something happening. But do you ever see that as a threat that, that they actually may indeed be like, oh, wait a minute, like maybe we can monetize this? I think it's a great threat because... Right now, the threat, if we look, if, if we could make a, a, a very uh, possible parallel to, to films that, no, I'm sorry, not film, uh, uh, TV shows that with, uh, you know, we've gone from what used to be a few network channels on broadcast to thousands of choices within each of these streaming services. Why am I going to choose a Netflix show over Prime? Well, you know, let's assume that I'm already subscribed to both, so they've got my money. What makes me choose a Netflix show? Well, well, you know, people are talking about it. Well, why people are talking about it? Well, the quality is really great. Or they've got, they've got something there that's, that's so good that I have to see it. Everyone's talking about it. Crip Camp has been, um, mm -hmm. over the summer, one of the, the most commented and, and positively reviewed documentaries that Netflix came out with. And I don't know the numbers on it, but I know about it. And it's because the quality was so good. So the threat kind of seems like it's also an opportunity that let's make let's make sure that it has audio description that's not going to be it's not one or the other it's not like you have to choose between having content or having quality content both can be true um, but it's what is that thing that's going to say i need to tune into this and i think on the audio description side it's going to be quality and excellence do you find that you know the media and tv landscape is is being taken care of but we're seeing more and more of the corporate side of businesses be becoming interested and adding inclusivity into their presentations or, or seminars are you seeing that demand increase as well oh it's so exciting absolutely that um i think about some of the people that um that do work in the, the corporate environment or even the educational environment. Let's, let's uh, chunk those two together, corporate and education, because we've only been talking mainly about um, entertainment. Mm -hmm. That, of course, yeah, especially with the last, um, gosh, it's been, it's been seven or eight months that we've been uh, 
you know, basically relying on Zoom or Skype <laughs> video calls that people are saying we need to have accessibility, whether it's describing what's happening on the screen or including closed captioning. Uh, my own podcast, I found a way to, to bring in the, uh, the transcripts so that people that can't hear can understand what's happening on our, on our series. Um, so absolutely, the, the corporate side is becoming aware of it. And they, again, whether they're being forced into it or it's out of the, the, the goodness of their hearts or let's give it a little more self-interest that they recognize they have to because that's what their customers are going to demand – it does make a difference, the accessibility for uh, recognizing our, our disabled, uh, whether it's consumers or audiences or otherwise, it makes a difference. Yeah, and do you sort of see that, that the solution to this is sort of multifaceted, where it might be a little bit of mandating, it might be a little bit of companies just learning the business case, and just some companies just wanting to do the right thing? Uh, really great question. And I see audio description as being a microcosm for all of these conversations that as audio description grows, I see the, the access to different companies is starting to grow that, uh, we've used the word nuance in this conversation a few times that that nuance is part of that conversation. So maybe the nuance with the companies is that they recognize the mandate, but they also, uh, let's call it carrot in the stick. They recognize the mandate. Uh, the stick, and they also recognize the opportunity, the carrot, where it's like, by doing this, we're <laughs> not only are we going to look good, but we're also doing good. This is the right thing to do, and it's the right time to do it. Um, uh, President-elect uh, Joe Biden talked on Saturday for the first time I've ever heard a president-elect talk about disability. Yep. He said the word. Mm -hmm. It's There's something changing. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's interesting. Um, Ryan recently put together a music video for a, a, a concert that was sponsored by uh, a blindness organization up here. And I sort of helped put together the, the video editing portion of it. And then we had a company up here called Descriptive Video Works put together an audio description for the music video. And I have to say that it, I was just stunned at what they were able to do because <laughs> talk about a challenge to, to try to, you know, you have to, you're trying to evoke emotions from a song while not stepping on any lyrics and not stepping on, you know, sort of crucial instrumental parts. They did a, a really incredible job with it. And it just made me realize, you know, how powerful it is when all those elements can come together, regardless of your, if you're, if you're sighted or not. Oh, it's so great to hear. Very cool. Yeah, because it doesn't matter, and it shouldn't matter. You know, I've done some research after I released mine, and it looks like Stevie Wonder did one back in the early 2000s, but nobody else seems to be taking on that task. Do you Have you looked at it, considered it? I know yeah, not so, all songs uh, would be possible, but... Absolutely, and, you know, with that Stevie Wonder, it's one of my favorite. It's uh, uh, What the Fuss. It's right. And it's narrated by a celebrity. Buster Rhymes is doing the audio description. <laughs> okay. He gets right in there. It's just that perfect fit. It's so you can I can't listen to that song without smiling and nodding. And the funny thing about it is that that whole mu music video is talk over. He talks over all the dialogue, mm -hmm. or all, I'm sorry, all the uh, all the singing, all the lyrics. And it's fine because you can listen to the song without lyrics, or you can listen to. Right. Or, I'm sorry, you can listen to the song without audio description and just have the lyrics or you can have it with and that's your choice you can listen to it a few times you right. know so it doesn't make as much of a difference with with um music videos the um i uh, uh produced a uh, audio description for a children's video it was based on uh songs of joe raposo and we hired a uh, a blind voice talent to do it and it it just it feels so good i'm sure your experience is the same especially with working with descriptive video works that it's like it brings something to it. And um, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I don't want to change the subject from uh, from movie or sorry, from um, music videos. But, you know, trailers, as we had talked about that uh, this year, uh, they did a trailer for a video game yeah. that had audio description. So, yeah, I think I think there's something there. But gosh, I could talk about that Stevie Wonder video with audio <laughs> description for so long. It just makes me so happy. I can't stand it. No, it's going to be interesting, though, because you know, like I mentioned in one of my previous emails to you, I was just kind of flipping through channels one night and 
on Game Criminal Minds, and during the introduction, it said, you know, described by Roy Samuelson, and I went, I got to reach out to this guy, or I already had, and then you emailed me back the next day saying, yeah, I'd love to come on the show. Um, I'm going to hear your voice when I, in my dreams now. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want the Criminal Minds voice? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's just, it's amazing to me, the different dynamics that a voice artist can bring to the different styles or genres, whether it's a Toyota commercial or it's Picard or some educational documentary. Um, it's definitely an art form. Well, I got to thank you also and your team for exploring this, that, you know, this is, this is something that this audio description is something that, that deserves a, a conversation beyond just does it have it or not. So it's, it's been a real honor to talk to you guys. The honor has been ours. Indeed. See, see how we brought that around? <laughs> yeah, really. Again, he's speaking for us. Well, I guess it's been an honor. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Seriously, Snap. we uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. And, you know, we've we've been proponents for this for, for years. Mm. Um, and it's exciting. It is a really exciting time in the industry. And I feel like, you know, we're, we're on the edge of, of really being able to push it forward and going to that next level and just and just getting it everything described well that's just yeah. it i'm looking forward to getting away from just the programming during prime time needing to be described where we can get to everything is described oh that's exciting times and it seems like it's like you said push forward it is being pushed forward uh before we let you go was there anything that we didn't touch on at all that you wanted to to talk about if people care to, to follow along on social media, I'm on Twitter at Roy Samuelson. Uh, Instagram, I give alt text, uh, also at Roy Samuelson. And uh, I think I already gave a shout out to the audio description discussion group, the um, Know Your Narrator series on theadna.org. That's the ADNA, Audio Description Narrators of America, adna.org. And uh, Know Your Narrator series is there. And I think um, as long as people listen to your content first, I don't, I don't want to step on that. But it's, uh, it's, it's fun to be able to share the, the different experiences that people have with audio description. And, and this is just so exciting. So, And uh, thank you, Steve. Thanks, Ryan. And, and thanks, Rob. This has been great. Uh, awesome. We really appreciate your time, Roy. Yeah, it's thanks so pleasure. much for coming on. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're part of a whole world that people don't get to see behind the curtains of all that often. And uh, it's, it's, ni it's nice to get the perspective. That's right. Next time, wear pants. Oh, every time. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> Have a good one, guys. You too. Take care. All right, you too. I have to admit that I'm one of these people that I didn't really give voice acting enough credit because it's one of those things that if you're good at it and somebody is doing it really well, it's invisible. Like, you don't, you don't notice it. Well, and it's not just you know, the voice acting that's involved, right? It's, it's the, basically the whole body Roy was saying, you know, if, if something needs to be a little softer and more intimate, he might lower his voice a bit and draw closer to the mic or, you know, he might smirk or something to bring out, you know, kind of a smile or that type of yeah. emphasis in whatever he's trying to say. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting. We, we, yeah, but we'll have to, we should really have him on again. Uh, I would be, I, we could just talk to them for hours, I think, about, um, about the process. Well, yeah. And, yeah, and I think, you know, in our definitely take a look through the links in our show notes this week because we will have links to his page that I think has samples and demos of work that he's done, and, you know, it's staggering. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us an email if they so desire. Cowbell at atbanter.com. And would now be a good time to mention that I've got a whole bunch of new uh, AT Banter cowbells? Yes, Ooh. it would be a good time. Yeah, I, I think we should mention that. And uh, if uh, people really want a cowbell, they should write us and tell us why they want a cowbell. That's it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to give them all cowbells, but we'll put their name into a draw. And whoever comes up with the best reason why gets a cowbell. No, 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 no. no. no? I don't think best reason well wait okay let me see maybe it we... depends i mean if there is a cowbell reason that is so far above all the other cowbell reasons then 
Well, maybe. no, maybe. What if somebody writes in and says their cow lost their cowbell, so they need to replace their cowbell for their cow? We'll see that. Then we've got a perfectly good <laughs> shot at getting them to take a picture of their cow wearing an AT. <laughs> That'd be cow. awesome. Yeah. Maybe they should have to like say why they want a cowbell, and maybe that could be the criteria instead of just doing a draw. Give us the most, the top three most creative uses for the AT banter cowbell. We'll get a cowbell. <laughs> That's dangerous. Why? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So yeah, cowbell, cowbell palooza. Send in your email. Tell us why you want a cowbell and uh, you could receive a cowbell. And we have one more thing to plug. AT Banter is doing a live show in December. Oh. I still think this is a terrible idea. No, no, no. It's a fantastic idea. (laughs) Fantastic. It will be December 17th at 5 p.m. Pacific. And so next week we will have more information for you on how you can join and sit in on a live taping of AT Banter, Banter directly Banter. from Barclays Virtual Tavern. Is it a tavern or is it a bar and grill? And what's the difference? Uh, some, uh, yeah. What is the difference? Uh, ta- taverns are for men only. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently that was the uh, the issue with them closing all the taverns in Quebec. Oh, really? oh okay. I, why would you do that? Why would you go drink at a place where there's no women? It seems pointless. Well, uh, then you probably want me to say something along the lines of, hey, people can also find us online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Correct. Well, that is going to about do it for this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thank you to Roy Samuelson, and we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.